Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The face of big tech in court. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. The Supreme Court today hears arguments on two state laws, one in Texas and another in Florida, that look to punish social media platforms over allegations they censor conservative speech. It turns out the legal force fighting these state laws is itself a group with conservative leanings. NetChoice has emerged as big tech's top political lobbyist. And it's going after social media crackdowns in blue states, too, like the California Age-Appropriate Design Code Act, which required that platforms put in stronger data privacy protections by default for younger users online. Wherever a social media regulation pops up, net choice, it seems, is there. And we've noticed as we continue to cover efforts by state and federal lawmakers to keep kids safe online. Isaiah Poritz of Bloomberg Law has been reporting on the organization. NetChoice is a small tech industry trade association, um, and their members include some of the largest social media companies in the world, uh, meta platforms, the former Twitter, now X Corp, Google as well. So they have backing from much of the, the many of the biggest Silicon Valley players. And they've been around for quite a while now, since 2001. But it's really in the past couple years that they've kind of become Silicon Valley's attack dog when it comes to challenging state social media regulations in court. Um, they brought a number of these cases and have been quite successful in being able to prevent them from going into law. And we want to get to that in a moment. But I was intrigued by how they have in some ways displaced the Internet Association, which was once sort of the lobbying arm or the the face of the tech industry in Washington. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, they they for a long time were were the face of, of, like you said, the the face of the tech industry. And they ultimately dissolved over issues around antitrust, which have been, you know, increasingly uh, dividing many tech companies like Google, for example, and companies like Yelp, which are very dependent on on Google, and you know, changing their business model can very uh, dramatically harm Yelp. 
So they've sort of filled in as this sort of loud and aggressive organization that can advocate on behalf of the uh, broader techie ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you saw that splintering among some factions within big tech. So now NetChoice is the main litigation powerhouse for the industry, for those bigger companies especially. And they've been pretty successful um, winning injunctions, in other words, temporarily blocking laws regulating social media in five states. What has made them so good at this? How did they get this reputation? You know, they they have always had a sort of libertarian uh, type of or free market oriented type of legal positioning. And so they've been very against any kind of law that's going to sort of put government regulations on how the open internet is is operating. Um, so they've brought these free speech challenges where they've been arguing that uh, these state laws that would require you know, social media companies to host certain types of content or that would require social media companies to verify the ages of their users. This is essentially a violation of the First Amendment, that these companies have First Amendment rights as well to determine, you know, who can be on their platform and and, and who can say what on their platform. They've been able to bring these, these pre-enforcement challenges, which are difficult to show. You need to tell the court, hey, look, this law hasn't you know, been enforced yet, but we have evidence that it's going to harm our members. And we're so confident that that you should prevent that law from going into place. And, you know, they've worked with some, you know, best law firms in the country to help craft these complaints and, and have a clear narrative about how, you know, these laws will harm, uh, you know, free speech on the internet. Yeah. So you've laid out sort of in broad strokes uh, what some of these laws do, but let's get specific because today the Supreme Court is hearing arguments on social media laws in Texas and another one in Florida. Can you give us the thumbnail view on what those laws attempt to do and what can we expect in court today? Those two laws were passed in 2021 in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riots that essentially say that you can't ban or de-amplify the the posts and the speech of uh, user content based on the you know political background of that person. Mm-hmm. In the Florida uh, law, for example, certain politicians who are running for for office they can't be removed or they can't be banned from these large platforms. With the idea being that. Tech companies are generally more liberal or their views are more liberal. And so the belief is that they have been censoring conservative speech. And that's actually really interesting because you, you talk about how net choice, you describe them as having conservative credentials themselves. And yet they're taking on laws aimed at cracking down on social media that are laws generally put forth by Republicans, right? Right. Yeah. And that's what is is so interesting about this group. And, you know, when we talk to them, they, they kind of say that our conservative credentials have actually helped us when we lobby against these uh, Republican-backed laws, because there's already sort of a sense that, you know, look, we're on your side here. We are also upset with the way that, you know, some of these social media companies operate. But this is still a violation of the First Amendment. We still think this is an unconstitutional law. And that sort of bolstered their ability to uh, work with those um, uh, conservative states and, you know, in these cases, bring lawsuits when they, they aren't able to, to lobby them away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Bloomberg Law's Isaiah Poritz. 
You talked to someone at the Electronic Privacy Information Center, which has been working on these issues for a long time as well. They also uh, oppose these laws, but for different reasons, it sounds like. What was their take on net choice and their approach to challenging some of these statutes? It's interesting because there are quite a few sort of civil society groups who understand how these laws came about in Texas and Florida were really sort of driven by this conservative belief that, you know, tech companies are censoring them. But the sort of underlying issues of whether or not you can regulate these large social media companies, we need to like sort of examine those with a bit more scrutiny and and recognize that uh, there should be some ability to sort of restrict the way that these large platforms operate. But it's it's difficult to draw the line because there there are certainly... I think a lot of evidence um, that Net Choice has put forward that allowing these state these laws to go and, and be enacted would um, allow for a lot more hate speech on the internet because it would, it would prevent these social media companies from taking down that kind of content. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about these laws brought forward by conservative lawmakers, but you know, it sounds like Net Choice is really going after any type of social media regulation, regardless of which side of the aisle it comes from. What are the big picture implications of that? Yeah, so the constitutionality of these two laws are going to have pretty huge ramifications. Uh, You know, the states are arguing that these social media companies are common carriers. So they're very similar to uh, public utilities or telephone lines, which are very highly regulated by the government. And so if the Supreme Court does rule that, you know, these large social media platforms are like common carriers, that certainly would bolster a lot of other states who are interested in, in regulating social media to continue to cut, pass these laws. And the what Net Choice is arguing is that, you know, by sort of saying that the government can force you to host this kind of content, you know, it's going to be worse for the Internet because... Uh, there's going to be so much more uh, hate speech. There's going to be so much more uh, speech that that uh, we don't want to be hosting, but we the the government says we have to. And Isaiah, as you've been reporting on Net Choice, what has struck you about the way that they go about their work? Because they're not advocating a view that is particularly popular in a lot of corners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think what is really interesting about Net Choice is how sort of loud they're they're willing to be and and how in the public eye they're willing to be. I think a lot of tech industry groups, a lot of sort of business trade groups in general prefer to stay out of controversial, you know, publicly weighing in on controversial topics. Um, that's certainly not the case for the leaders at NetChoice who, you know, really are willing to get into Twitter battles with people and, you know, their general counsel, Carl Zabo, um, has really sort of positioned himself as an antagonist of the Biden administration when it comes to his tech policies around artificial intelligence and other issues, um, you know, who will go after him in in Fox News op-eds, which is quite unique considering that most tech companies, they would prefer to sort of become an ally with whoever the current administration is. So they're really willing to kind of be loud about these issues. And in a way that gives cover to some of the tech companies who don't also don't want to weigh in directly on, you know, controversial issues around child safety on social media and other issues there. But uh, this group can kind of advocate on their behalf. 
And do you get the sense that Net Choice is having an influence on the public dialogue? Will we kind of skew in the direction of big tech needs to do more? Or do you think Net Choice is getting their argument out into the public domain? It's hard to say exactly, but certainly I think uh, there's been a lot more scrutiny from lawmakers, from plaintiffs' attorneys around the country when it comes to trying to rein in these social media companies. Whether or not that sort of fully passes constitutional muster when it comes to these laws, that's a different question. And so far, the courts have said, no, they don't. And we'll see what the, the Supreme Court says. Is there an argument, Isaiah, to be made that NetChoice partnering with some big law firms to attack some of these laws might actually be a, a, a positive development in some respects for consumers that are concerned that these laws are too onerous from a privacy point of view? When, when we talked to NetChoice, their, their general counsel really did want to emphasize that, you know, litigation for them is sort of the last resort, that, that they try to go to lawmakers before these bills are passed. But one thing is that what Carl Zabo, the, the general counsel, emphasized to me was that unlike, you know, the federal Congress, uh, state legislatures can pass laws incredibly quickly. You know, they're often only in session for a couple of months. And so, you know, within a week, a bill can become law. And um, that makes it very difficult to sort of swat them down at that very early stage. And that's where kind of the lawsuits come in. But yeah, I mean, so the use of these big law firms certainly helps bolster uh, their arguments here. That was Isaiah Poritz at Bloomberg Law. We've linked to reporting by Isaiah and his team at Bloomberg Law. Interesting fact about NetChoice that you'll find there, the group's founding members included eBay, Orbitz, and 1-800-CONTACTS, a blast from the past. The group has seen its revenue grow from $3 million to $34 million between 2020 and 2022. The story's on our website, marketplacetech.org. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. Have you ever wondered why you see what you see when you're online? I'm Jamie Bartlett, and in The Gatekeepers from BBC Radio 4, I'm telling the story of how social media accidentally conquered the world. Mark's explained to me he's going for a billion users. I'm going, for what? I'm sorry, what is it you're going to do? They can give us a voice or silence us whoever we are. At Real Donald Trump, it says, account suspended, everything... To understand how we got here and where it's taking us, listen to The Gatekeepers, available wherever you get your podcasts.